Simos and the team at Bricky Cafe in Hutton Street, Thornbury are a station supporter and Licorice All Sports program sponsor. They love sport too, so to celebrate if you're heading into Melbourne's sporting precinct or just passing through Thornbury, mention you heard them on Pony Valley FM and they'll offer you a discount deal on a delicious coffee and roll. Bricky Cafe, just a minute from Thornbury Station, you can't miss them. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Station sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Licorice All Sports. Broadcasting from Sweden on this Friday, the 22nd of January 2021. On today's show, in the first hour, LAS Tennis with Australian tennis player Matt Ebden. Many talking points with the Australian Open only a few weeks away. LAS Basketball with Tom Thorne. Many news headlines coming out of the USA with the NBA and much, much more to do with basketball. In the second hour... LAS Cricket with Tommy Flanagan, as always. Many talking points with the Australians losing the Test Series 2-1 and plenty of action coming out of the BBL. A new segment, which is called LAS Beer of the Week. That's where Robert Winston goes to many different bars around the globe and will be trying out your favourite beers. So if you want to get amongst that, please email me at winstonsportsmedia at gmail.com. And also a new segment for the next three weeks as we come to the business end of the NFL season over in the USA, talking American footy with Brent Sternberg. So all that and much, much more coming up in the next couple of hours of Licorice All Sports. So let's rock out to an old school favorite to get your morning pumping. We've got Brian Adams with the summer of 69. Let's get into it and I'll be back shortly here on your local station, 88.6, Plenty Valley FM. I got my first real six-string, bought it at the five and done. Played it till my fingers bled, was a summer of 69.
Ladies and gentlemen, on the line today, I'd like to welcome Matt Ebden to Licorice All Sports. Matty, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, something to keep me busy and occupied, so I know, appreciate the time. look forward to it. Now, Matty, 2020 was a tough year for the world. Have you found it difficult adapting to the quarantine rules announced by Tennis Australia and the Victorian government in the lead-up to the 2021 Australian Open? Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, as an Australian, you know, I, I figured my, my season would start here in Australia, in Melbourne, so I would not have to travel overseas and be subject to quarantine. But I, I had to compete in the qualifying this year, and that ended up being in Doha, in Qatar. So they had to send us over there and um, compete in the singles qualifying and then come back to Melbourne into the quarantine bubble with all the foreign players. So, yeah, basically I'm treated like a foreigner. And, yeah, anyway, here we are. But, um, it's you know, it's, it was the only way. There was government restrictions and laws and regulations and caps on numbers and everything for this event. So that was the only way it could, could happen. So, you know, they've done an amazing job to... You know, well, they're still busy trying to pull it off, but they're they're busy pulling off almost the impossible to to make the event go ahead. Yeah, definitely, Matty. You just mentioned qualifiers over in Doha. Tell me, you didn't qualify this year for the upcoming 2021 AO. So, I suppose, what are your specific goals? as far as the doubles events and also mixed doubles events leading into 2021. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was a tricky one because uh year before last, you know, my ranking was really high and then had some injuries, had a bit of time off and then needed to play in this last eight, 12 months to get my ranking back up and obviously wasn't able to play basically at all last year. So yeah, ranking not high enough to get straight in the event. Um, yeah. Lost in the qualifying in the singles but I'm hoping to be in the doubles and the mixed doubles and also play hopefully singles and doubles in the, the lead-in tournaments, the, the ATP 250 events in Melbourne the week before Aussie Open. So that's in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so, yeah, just, um, you know, nice to be back in Australia, but obviously stuck mostly in the hotel room all day, but pretty fortunate to be able to get out and practice and do a bit of gym uh, up to five hours each day. So... I'm definitely very grateful for, for that. So I guess, what does your practice schedule look like in the lead up to AO 21? You mentioned you're let out five hours a day for gym and, um, you know, on the practice court as well. So do you have a, a hitting partner? And if you do, I suppose, um, you know, how, how much of a hit are you looking at getting daily as far as, you know, the hours and, and um, uh, routine that you go through? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, to clarify, so, you know, every player coming in from Australian Open was obviously subject to this 14 days of quarantine, but every player was meant to also be able to allow out up to five hours a day for practice and gym and nutrition and whatever. So the, the reason, you know, uh, well, I don't know if it's a, a third of the players or a quarter of the players are now in a, a 14 day strict lockdown confined just to their room is because there were some positive cases on some of the charter flights that came in and government ruled that all players on those flights should stay in their room for 14 days. So I, I was lucky. My my flight from Doha was not one of those. Um, but, yeah, obviously, you know, a bunch of players and coaches and support staff that were on three of those flights have been, you know, in, in a strict lockdown. So pretty unfortunate for them. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. And, yeah, I, I would say a majority of players are still... Uh, able to practice up to five hours a day, practice and gym at the site. Uh, the rest of the time in the room, 
yeah, for me, um, my practice partner is Blake Mott. He's another young Australian. He, he played also in the qualifying, so he came back also from Doha with me. Um, so it's great to you know have a, have a training partner with a fellow Aussie. And then I think in week two we join with another group, so it becomes a practice group of four, and we you know we stick just to our own groups just to minimise contact with anybody and, and any chance of virus spread if it did happen. The four flights that flew in, and as you said, you're lucky enough, I suppose, to be COVID free and, and come uh, on the flight from Doha. So yeah, th- three look, flights. Uh, three flights up- had positive cases out of I think 18 flights. So. It was unfortunate. There was only yeah. one or two cases on each flight and, and none of them were actually players. So there were a couple of coaches and I think one was a flight attendant. Um, but yeah, it's it okay. random and a bit unfortunate. So anyway. Yeah, well, thanks for clarifying that with yeah. me because it is a little bit confusing. And I think what's reported on the news sometimes is a little bit misleading yes. and, you know, it's hard to actually know what is exactly going on behind the scenes. But thank you so much for clarifying that, yeah. Matt. Now, as we go into the lead-up of the 2021 Australian Open, do you have a special routine or superstition you do in the lead-up to a big match of tennis? Um, routine, yeah. I, I don't think superstition, but yeah, routine for sure. Yeah, you know, I obviously like to get a good, you know, off-season, pre-season training, make sure I feel good on the court with my body, with my movement, um, and then, you know, with my even my nutrition and sleep patterns and things like that. And then, you know, I, I like to have a few matches, so... Uh, obviously had one match already and hopefully in the in the lead up week to Aussie Open I, I hopefully get to play um one of the the 250 events leading in so just to get some matches is probably part of my routine and then um no you know just to remain in a good state of mind to to be happy to be fit to be healthy and then you know go out there with uh um you know a full basket all guns blazing and you know give myself every opportunity to perform to my best Now, what are your personal goals for AO21? Also, I suppose specifically team goals, as you will be playing doubles and mixed doubles in the in the upcoming event. Yeah, so that's the plan. Um, myself and my partner JP Smith, fellow Australian, a very good doubles player. Um, so we are we're on the cusp. John Patrick Smith. Yes, that's it. Great yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So we're on the cusp of the cut. I think with a couple of withdrawals, we might even make the cut on our ranking. Otherwise, we're hoping to get a wild card. I think we're the highest Australian team that that's not on the cut, maybe. Um, same thing, you know, he, he also wasn't able to play last year. So our rankings, are, our numbers are a bit low at the moment. Um, but, you know, if, if that goes according to plan, yeah, plan to get in the doubles. And, I, you know, hope to play the mixed doubles too. That's been a, a good one for me. I was able to win that, you know, one time. So, uh, you know, and, and win quite a few matches in that event. So that's always a fun one. Um, you know, of course, yeah, my um, goal is for both of those is to win the event for sure. I, I think, um, well, obviously proven capable of that. And it's just a matter of going out there and doing the right things. But for me personally, my, my goals are probably more uh, personal in that I've just been looking to improve my game. You know, I've had this extra time this last nine months to really put in some important work on my game, technically, uh, fundamentally, physically, mentally even. But um, you know, whereas we, we, it's really rare for us to get more than, say, three to six weeks to really work on anything or actually make any changes before you're preparing for matches and tournaments again. So there's often hardly any time to, to devote to, to really improving or making some adjustments or changes in your game. So, you know, it gave me a nice chance to sort of work on those things this, this last year. Tell us a little bit more about that. That last nine months, you just mentioned nine months, you know, I've seen all sorts of things that players have been doing, getting inventive, 
hitting balls up against walls. Um, they've been locked down in hotel quarantine. They lifting up mattresses. You know, hitting working on their their backhand, their their forehand, and just I suppose hitting a tennis ball just simply against uh, a hotel wall. So I suppose in this funny old world that we're living in, in the minute with quarantine and and lockdown and COVID nineteen. Um, how have you found the whole experience, just just in a in a general sense? Matt? Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I've been pretty fortunate. I live in Perth. I live in Australia, so you know we've been basically COVID free since about April last year or May. There was a six week uh, restrictions in about April and May last year, and since then, uh, zero COVID and basically zero restrictions in Perth. So um, I couldn't really travel; otherwise, I would have been subject to two weeks hard quarantine on on returning but that was about it other than that life was basically as normal which was which was pretty amazing you know considering we saw the rest of the world struggling a lot and even you know some parts of Australia going back into some lockdowns here in Melbourne even Sydney a bit and even Brisbane but you know was was pretty lucky to be in Perth it was a bit of a paradise for for most you know all of last year basically so for me, I didn't really get too much affected. In, in fact, I never even wore a mask until this last week when I had to fly over to Doha and um, sort of, yeah, get my first COVID test, actually, which was uh, quite something. And now I've had, I think, about seven of them in the last two weeks. So, yeah, that's that's been interesting. Um, for me, yeah, at, at home, uh, you know, being creative was, was extra time really to work on my game with training. Um, had obviously a bit of time to devote to other things outside of tennis directly that I'd wanted to start or do you know now and in future you know a couple of businesses help a couple of tennis clubs um you know even some spend some time investing and, and setting up stuff for, for now and even for the rest of life um and more time with family and friends and time at home and work on the house and you know bits and pieces like that just live like a, a normal person for a while but uh yeah probably really my my key and my fun was um having that extra time really to to work on my game and, and you know make some improvements and then having you know all that time to let those improvements feel completely normal so that's um that's been fun for me very interesting you say improvements at age 33 matt what what kind of are the the fundamentals that you actually do improve on being i suppose in the latter part of your career and i suppose um as far as longevity goes when are you looking at uh possibly retirement or is that something uh, the big R word something off the cusp for now and you just keep working at your game um yeah you just mentioned uh, the fun the fundamentals yeah sure um look I mean in terms of retiring yeah my body is young I feel fit healthy young I'm, I'm probably lifting strength numbers better than ever and my my speed and fitness numbers are as good as always um so from that aspect I sort of feel like I'm stuck at 25 uh, I know now you know the years tick by and the age numbers tick on but um, you know, I'm moving great, body's great, you know, no structural issues with the body, nothing that's giving me a timeline of, oh, you know, might have to retire in this sort of year or that. Um, I suppose in my early 20s, I sort of thought, oh, you know, I'm sure I'll play till I'm at least 35. But now that I'm in my 30s and it's like, oh, well, I've got sort of no excuse not to push that back almost another decade or something. And, you know, now it's probably more to like a 40 and and even then after that, maybe there's doubles wow. or, or something. But uh, I'm also experienced enough to know that, you know, after 30, you can't take things for granted. You know, things could happen or things, um, you know, sometimes happen to guys. So um, I, I just uh, I've probably been pretty, uh, you know, able to get perspective and, and be appreciative and, and grateful for, you know, the, I suppose the career and sport that I'm able to do and how I'm able to live my life. And, um, 
So, you know, just put, get some good perspective and really appreciate being able to play and train and do what I love and, and compete and, and keep doing it, you know, hopefully for many, many years to come. So, yeah, but, I, you know, I suppose once you start getting to 30 or, or over, you do start to think about those things. And, you know, I've had to think about that a lot the last year or two, where my motivations lie, you know, how, how I feel about things and, um, you know, where, where things go for the next five years, 10 years and uh, and beyond. So, that's been uh, also fun, I suppose, dealing with those thoughts and, and thinking about the future and, and you know, thinking of things like that. But, yeah, no no, no, uh, no plans at all to retire, ever, actually. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Somewhere deep inside, something's got to hold on you. And it's pushing me aside See it stretch on forever And I know I'm right For the first time in my life That's why I tell you You'd better be home soon Back the coast of lies and deception. Back to nothingness, like a week in the desert. And I know I. Thank you.
The Diamond Valley Railway runs into action every Sunday and Wednesdays during the school and most public holidays. Tickets are only $3 per ride. For bookings and train times, phone 9439 1493 or email info at dvr.com.au. Diamond Valley Railway, Alpham Lower Park, Main Street, Alpham. Ladies and gentlemen, on the line today, I'd like to welcome Matt Ebden to Licorice All Sports. Nick Kyrgios just came out in the media in the last 24 hours and called Novak Djokovic, the top two ranked player, a tool. Now, look, Nick um, has been controversial over the years, but it seems in 2020 and into 2021, he's been the word of reasoning. And many people are getting behind Nick and he's quite a likeable bloke from what I could tell from afar. I've never met the man personally, but he seems like a pretty likeable kind of guy. So what's your take on that? I mean, everyone has, I'm a Victorian. I I experienced what hard lockdown was like for about seven months. And, you know, we've got a few players that have come in and probably a little bit shocked, as you mentioned, with the the virus, the the three plane load. So everyone had to go to hard lockdown for 14 days. So what's your take on that? And, you know, is, I suppose, is Novak a small uh, a tool or is he is is it just a bit unfortunate that yeah that probably it's three or four parts to the answer for that one i mean first yeah nick so nick's you know his his entire you know thing is to try and make media try and make shock value try and make some drama or headlines you know he thrives on that um you know he loves media and, and attention and all that so no no surprise there um especially this last year nick also hasn't been able to play like myself we didn't we didn't travel and go get amongst quarantine and covid in this last nine months so i suppose like you know everybody get a bit bored and uh and there's obviously more time to fire at twitter and 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 online and whatever so um you know that's that's nick's thing he's, he's always yep. looking for some drama or something to say so that's fair enough that's each to their own um in terms of Djokovic being a tool well no, I don't think he's a tool. I mean, you know, he's not my best friend. I don't know him super well. He's not my brother. But um, from what I do know of him, obviously he's, you know, an amazing athlete and it takes a lot to be at that level. Um, I think if anything, Novak's views and, and uh, well, requests were probably uninformed and a bit uneducated, I suppose. Um, he's obviously not uh, aware of what Australia has been through, you know, the situation here in Victoria, in Australia, what the rules are, what the laws are. Um, you know, obviously some of his requests I read and I actually laughed and I said, oh, that's pretty funny. He got no idea. Um, so, you know, it, it wasn't even worth the time of day him <laughs> yep. requesting some of the things he, he mentioned because they're obviously not even possible by law. But I suppose you have to remember that a lot of these guys or, or nearly everybody, in fact, is coming from countries all around the world where everything's pretty loose, pretty rugged, pretty up in the air, pretty wrecked by COVID. Um, and, you know, a lot of these countries are are struggling and it's a, just a bit of a free-for-all all around the world. So they don't understand Australia. They don't understand the way of life, the way of preserved living here. Um, yeah. So, you know, I don't think Novak's a tool, but I think, sure, I think some of his requests are pretty uninformed and uneducated. He, he obviously didn't, doesn't and, and, and hasn't been advised or doesn't know what's really going on here um so maybe a bit naive is probably the word um i don't know about tool but but naive sure yes um and yeah i mean that's it's about all there is to it i've even you know been on some of these calls trying to you know console and, and talk to my fellow 
tennis players who, who are also in this lockdown and, and that and you know a lot of them are saying oh well we didn't know we had this quarantine I'm like well you know you kind of did there were calls and there were forms sent out saying this is how it's going to be and it is subject to change as per government laws as is in every country um, you know all these these rules that have been enforced it's nothing to do with tennis Australia or the Australian Open actually it's it's forced imposed on by the government and any changes that have come to light in the last week have been the chief health health officer or government saying sorry this is what's happening and there's you know that's the end of the story there's, there's nothing that can be done about that but tennis australia have done amazing even to get this this five-hour window for players to be able to go out and practice during this quarantine because um as you and i know as aussies uh, you know there is no special permission for anybody to to bypass quarantine in australia right. and it's a it's a hard quarantine for for everybody so it's rough, but they've done amazing to work with government to, to make the event go ahead and give the opportunity. And uh, now it all sort of hangs in the balance. But, you know, I think I think at the end of next week, once everyone gets out of this quarantine and this gets behind us, I think uh, everything will go ahead pretty well. Yeah, definitely. And very well answered and uh, answered that with a beautifully played <laughs> stripe out there, Maddie. So, um that you did really well. And just for the last one, Matt, you've had some amazing career highlights at the AO. What has been your top three moments at Melbourne Park? Yeah, um, oh, I mean, for sure, number one is winning a Grand Slam at home. So in the mixed doubles, I think it was 2013 now. Um, yeah, I was able to play the mixed doubles final on Rod Laver Arena before the men's singles final. Um, obviously, I would have preferred to have been in the singles final, but it's not that easy. So, yeah, I was there in the mixed doubles and, you know, in the Grand Slam final when they come around, you're like, okay, well, you know, got to try and make the most of it. You never know how many slam finals you'll get in in your life. So, um, yeah, we, we got it done and we got the got the slam and, and the trophy and got a slam title, which is pretty special. I, I mean, I know, of course, it's it's only in mixed doubles, say only, but, uh, you know, I'm still very grateful and appreciative to become a Grand Slam champion and, and be part of history and, um, you know, be part of the Australian Open for the rest of my life. That was definitely something special. And then, yeah, every time I step out there on Rod Laver or Margaret Court or Show Court with all the Aussie fans behind me is uh, is so, so special. Those are some of the moments I definitely live for and will always remember the feelings, uh, I think, for the rest of my life. Yeah, I think uh, probably John Isner. He was a top 12 seed. I beat him in the first round a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, 2018. Years ago, two, two, three years yep. ago. He was obviously, you know, a seed and a high seed and probably favoured. He'd, he'd beat me in the final of Newport just before that. So um, to get a revenge on him and a packed house in Margaret Court was was electric, I suppose. Um, yeah, playing night match with Rafa. Um, but, but probably, you know, the, winning the Grand Slam, it's, it's definitely hard to top that one. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you've answered that beautifully. And um, look, what can I say, Matt? Thank you so much for joining Licorice All Sports, and I wish you all the best for the upcoming Australian Open 2021. It's been an absolute pleasure cool. to have a chat Thanks, to you mate. today. No, uh, always good to chat, and uh, especially during during this quarantine time. Got got plenty of time on my hands, so uh, thanks for having me. Plenty Valley FM.
Ladies and gentlemen, joining me today for LAS Basketball, as always, Tom Thorne is on the line. Welcome to Licorice All Sports. Thanks. How's your week been, mate? And uh, massive weekend of basketball ahead. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. And absolutely, basketball's uh, kicking off internationally everywhere at the moment, and it's been a, a really big week in hoops. Yeah, definitely. You're certainly right there. Now, I'd like to kick off this week with a feel-good story, and I think this is a really good one. You know, considering the 2020 year that was, Kyrie Irving has bought George, George Floyd's family a home. And I think given with the uh, B element and movement and what the NBA stood for in season 2020 and into 2021, I thought that was a really good move by Kyrie. Yeah, it's one of those really good news stories that we probably don't feature on enough. And Kyrie, to his credit, he gets a, a bit of shame in the media there. Like he's uh, he's gone, I suppose, walkabout lately. And then we talk about his flat flat earth antics. But to, to out of his own pocket to buy somebody a house, especially that family and, and what it stands for and uh, where he is on that movement is, is a great one. And, you know, it's just another thing people probably don't realise. Like uh, earlier last season there, out of his own pocket, donating $1.5 million to the, the WNBA there, the players that sat out because of coronavirus. So it is a great story and it, it does go to show that um, there are some good guys in the NBA. Most definitely. Now, this is a story that I love. Stephen Curry, he's turned back the clock in the last couple of weeks and it's fair to say that he's back to his best your thoughts on that yeah well, it was only a matter of time like there's no way that curry's past it or any indication of that or you know that he was out he was going to take a little bit of time with that he missed 12 months basically with that injury and he's leading the warriors that you know with a list with um that we might not have seen or expected to go so well without clay thompson there and other pieces of the puzzle moving He's killing it at the moment, scoring 29 and a bit a game and had a great... He was the reason for the win over the LA Lakers the other night there when he had the 26 and a couple of clutch buckets down the stretch. Most definitely. And, yeah, it's, I love I love the Golden State Warriors. And, yeah, it's good to see him doing so well, Stephen Curry, and one to watch uh, for the rest of the remainder of the season. Now, Ben Simmons, his numbers have been down thus far this season and... He's come out in the media and said, I really don't care. And that was his response into his shooting numbers being down. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's really interesting one. I suppose like uh, with Benny Simmons, I suppose media's always jumping on him, I suppose, because he's a bit different outside the norms. He's been so big and, you know, so reluctant to shoot the ball. But um, the team's winning. Like at the end of the day, the 76ers are sitting third in the East there. Yes, his numbers are down. He's... Uh, at 12 points a game at the moment compared to his 16. But he's still impacting the game on the boards, assists and that. And that team's going really well. They're going to take time. New coach there, Doc Rivers as well. You've got to remember all that trade hype that was around him. Of course, that's going to play on him and potentially to keep him down. But now that hardened trade whisper is all gone. I reckon he'll settle down and we'll see his points go up. And if they don't, we'll see his assists go up because you've got some great shooters around him there with Seth Curry and, and Danny Green. The 76ers are, are fine. Now, speaking of the great man, Harden, the beard, as you like to call him, I'll tell you what, he's made a good start to his trade to the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, I suppose in extension of that, Kevin Durant has been... Uh, you know, smashing them as well. So, yeah, I mean, you know, sort of 
like for like those players, um, you know, what, what what have you made of the form of both Harden and Kevin Durant? Yeah, well, those two have uh, fitted in seamlessly with each other there with, you know, with that expectation, I guess, with playing together back in the past at OKC. But they've been on fire there and shown the whole league what a dominant force there. In the first opening night that Harden joined Brooklyn there, the pair combined for over 70 and then when they played Milwaukee the other night, they did it again, combining for over 60. So Kyrie isn't in that to- um, in that team yet. He'll come in in a couple of days' time. But they're definitely showing everybody why they'll be one of the championship contenders with that list. Looking forward to it. And I think they're going to go really deep. This upcoming NBA season is going to be interesting to watch. Now, Utah Jazz, they've won six straight games. And a man by the name of Donovan Mitchell is on absolute fire. So I think they're just sneaking under the radar a little bit, the old Utah Jazz. And and Donovan Mitchell, he's been a human highlight reel in the last couple of games. Yeah, they are the team that are probably sneaking up on everybody and not really getting spoken about. I suppose everybody's um, talking about LA at the moment or talking about Brooklyn or even talking about the Warriors, I guess, those big market teams that we've come to expect to be to be uh, championship winners in that over the last couple of years. But um, the Jazz there sit half a game behind the Lakers in second. Donovan Mitchell's on fire there. But probably the big um, reason for why they're doing so well is Jordan Clarkson off the bench there, just bringing points with that second unit. And the way they move the ball, they're actually really exciting and a really good team to watch. Now, the form of Nikola Jokic, I think he's been playing really well. And I suppose uh, yeah, the team's been playing well, I suppose, because of his form. He's really the, the barometer of how well they're going at the moment. Yeah, the Jokers are an absolutely integral part to the Nuggets and their form there. And when uh, Jokic is going well... The, the Nuggets are generally winning and he's probably one that, again, like Donovan Mitchell there, has just sort of gone under the radar. Like, he's averaging a triple-double at the moment and um, once they get some wins together, they're sitting at 500 at the moment, they're going to do some damage there. So, yeah, his form's been extraordinary. His ability to pass for a big guy is, you know, pretty uncommon there, sort of. Only other guys that have been able to probably pass it like him, we're probably talking about Andrew Bogut and maybe Joe Kim Noah, but he's definitely the modern-day big, can shoot, can pass, and can make buckets, and a really important te- uh, member to that Nuggets unit. Yeah, most definitely. And he's a man we've spoken about the last two weeks. Now, I'll put up a poll on Winston Sports Media saying, is Paddy Mills in the career-best form? And... A resounding yes. It was 82% saying yes, he is in career best form with a few no's. 18% said no, but I just think he's just, he's, he's playing uh, his role. He's that six man that comes off the bench and he's scoring all-time average highs and just playing his role beautifully. I mean, could you get a better player to play simply his role, which is that, you know, I suppose attacking uh, mid-size forward um, who can shoot three-pointers like, like it's sort of going out of fashion? Yeah, I'm not sure what those that 18 percentage of your crowd on the poll there are thinking, but the numbers aren't lying at the moment. Um, he's been phenomenal in his role off the bench there and really creating an impact for the Spurs when he comes on. He gives that energy. Coach Popovich knows what he's going to get, but just to go through the numbers, he's averaging six more points a game than he has in his career. He's averaging... Um, over 7% better from the three-point line in his career, and his assists are up. 
uh, minutes are up. Everything shows that he's in career best form at the moment. And a big part of why the Spurs are doing all right there, they're sitting at eight and six in the West and have had some really good road wins. So Paddy Mills is in career form. You would have seen the other night, hopefully, there that Paddy Mills broke the NBA record for most threes off the bench with one team, um, surpassing Manu Ginobili. So a great achievement there for Patrick Mills. Yes, yeah, exciting stuff for the Aussie, and I'll be keeping a very close eye on Thrillsy Millsy as the season, uh, I suppose, comes along. And in the last seven days, Tommy, there's been some human highlight reels with some epic slam dunks. It sort of reminds me of the late 90s, mid to late 90s, where it was just like the slam dunk contest going off tap. And the likes of Young Guns, Zion Williamson, Zach Levine, and a man we mentioned before, Donovan Mitchell for the Utah Jazz, with some absolutely epic slam dunks in the last seven days. Yeah, it's that absolute um, highlight reel package. And uh, that's what brings the fans into it, isn't it? That's what excites the little kids. That's what gets on ESPN. And, and people love seeing that acrobatic brilliance by them. So it's been amazing to see how athletic these uh, players are, how they can get to the ring and how they can stuff it down the chimney. Most definitely. Well, Tom Thorne, been an absolute pleasure to have you on LAS Basketball for yet again another week and looking forward to doing it all again next week. Yeah, really appreciate you having me. Thank you. Plenty Valley FM. The Otham and District Winemakers Guild provides opportunities for members to learn about winemaking and wine appreciation from each other and from professional winemakers. Our motto is share, learn, enjoy. And for over 40 years, we've been cultivating that philosophy. The Guild meets monthly at the Eltham Living and Learning Centre, 739 Main Road, Eltham, on the last Friday of the month, except for December. Visitors are most welcome, and for more information, visit the website, amateurwine.org.au. To keep us all safe and to help our health workers, it's vital to know quickly if you've come in contact with someone who has tested positive for coronavirus. It's why we've introduced the COVID Safe app. With your privacy protected by law, COVID Safe keeps a secure note of other users you've been near if you have to go out. So if they test positive for coronavirus, you'll be notified. It'll help us stop the spread sooner so we can get back to the things we love. Download COVID Safe today. Authorised by the Chief Medical Officer, Canberra. Has a pet touched your heart? Pets give us love in times of distress. Sadly, not everyone treats pets with the same love they show us. For decades, the Animal Aid Organisation has cared for Victoria's abused, lost and abandoned pets. They never turn an animal away, but they need your support. Your gift to Animal Aid will give pets a voice and show that you believe every life counts. Give now at any Bendigo bank or online at givethemavoice.org.au.
Hello, I'm Sean Bindley. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk will take her plan to quarantine overseas arrivals in regional worker camps to National Cabinet today. Prime Minister Scott Morrison says locals in central Queensland have expressed concerns, but he looks forward to seeing the proposal. These are views that have been relayed to me by people in regional Queensland, and I'm simply saying if the Queensland Government wants to proceed with this, well, they're going to have to address those issues up there with, with the local community, and I, I think that's important. Meanwhile, the New South Wales Health Minister says any easing of COVID-19 restrictions in Sydney will be based on the latest health advice. The state government hopes to wind back rules next week, but not before January 26. Brad Hazard says the virus could still be circulating even when community transmission isn't picked up. I think we all have our hopes dashed, our hearts broken, um, when we've got to a point where we think, oh, yeah, this is doing really well. We've got down to uh, um, a week or a few days of, uh, of no uh, community transmission. And then, then, of course, we hear uh, one case, three cases, six cases. Labor and the Business Council of Australia are calling on companies who made massive profits during the pandemic while still receiving JobKeeper payments to hand the money back. Here's Air News' Kim Cartwright with more. In one example, Solomon Lou's Premier Investments, which temporarily shut down many of its stores, including Smiggle, Dotty, Portman's and Just Jeans, applied for JobKeeper and ultimately received more than $40 million in taxpayer assistance. Since reopening and seeing online sales surge, the company made a bigger profit in 2020 than previous years. Shareholders were paid $57 million in dividends and as the largest shareholder, Lou himself received more than $20 million. Premier Investments also also paid its chief executive, Mark McInnes, a $2.5 million bonus. The Business Council of Australia says it doesn't believe companies that receive JobKeeper should be paying executive bonuses. The practice has also been criticised by the Australian Tax Office and former Victorian Premier Jeff Kennett. Kim Cartwright, Air News. The family of a man whose death is at the centre of abuse allegations at a Perth aged care facility say they want answers. Dick Lee had been in a coma for five days when he died yesterday. The major crime squad has been called in to investigate his death as well as that of an 86-year-old. Other abuse allegations at the facility include rough handling, aggressive staff and sexually inappropriate behaviour. Mr Lee's daughter says she wants to know who is responsible. I feel that his life has been robbed. I felt very angry, whoever did it, but still we don't know who did it. And US President Joe Biden has signed 10 executive orders to tackle the COVID-19 crisis, which has killed more than 400,000 Americans. He described it as a wartime undertaking, as Air News' Kate Fisher reports from Washington. In contrast to his predecessor, President Biden's plan creates a national strategy, rather than relying on states to act alone. But he warned that things will get worse before they get better. We didn't get into this mess overnight. It's going to take months for us to turn things around. But let me be equally clear. We will get through this. President Biden says the goal is to administer 100 million vaccine doses and to reopen schools within 100 days. Kate Fisher, Washington. This is Air News. Former Australian Test cricket captain Ian Chappell believes some of our underperforming cricketers could keep their spots thanks to competition scheduling. Chappell says with the Sheffield Shield on hold until next month, he can't see who should replace those players who underperformed in the Test series against India. Stark's got to get a place in that side. Wade's vulnerable. Um, who takes his place? Oh, well. And you see, here's the other problem. 
because the BBL is going on this whole time, what are the selectors got to go on? AFL and Gold Coast Suns coach Stuart Dew says his side is preparing to be as flexible as possible this year with the ever-changing nature of the COVID-19 landscape. There are calls to bring the start of the 2021 season forward. Dew says the Keo is not looking too far ahead. We've literally said, look, let's just play what's in front of us. And at the moment, we've, we've got a six-round draw and we can concentrate on that. And if it changes, it changes, we'll, we'll just jump into it. The New Zealand Warriors aren't letting homesickness disrupt their preparations for the coming NRL season. The squad is training in Tamworth and will relocate to the Central Coast next month until at least round four. Incoming coach Nathan Brown says the bigger issue has been the changing of the guard at the club. The biggest challenge has been we've got a lot of new players coming into the club, whether it was external recruiting or whether it's been you know, younger players coming up from that have been in the Warriors program for the past few years. So it's not had a big turnover of people. And overnight, the Illawarra Hawks have defeated the Brisbane Bullets 90-82 in the NBL. Australian Independence, Radio News. Simos and the team at Bricky Cafe in Hutton Street, Thornbury are a station supporter and Lucrish All Sports program sponsor. They love sport too, so to celebrate if you're heading into Melbourne's sporting precinct or just passing through Thornbury, mention you heard them on Pony Valley FM and they'll offer you a discount deal on a delicious coffee and roll. Bricky Cafe, just a minute from Thornbury Station. You can't miss them. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Station sponsor.
ladies and gentlemen, joining me on this Friday morning with LAS Cricket, Tommy Flanagan, as always. Welcome to Liquish All Sports. Pleasure to have you on today, mate. Yeah, great to be on the show again, Wino. A very interesting uh, test series it was between Australia and India, and I uh, can't wait to dissect it with you. Well, you mentioned interesting test series. It looked like uh, the Australians, after they won the first test, it was going to be the Australians by how much, and ultimately, we've lost the test series 2-1 and then obviously a draw as well in the mix there as well. So how did you see it play out? And, you know, with all the factors that were against India, so their captain, Coley, he left after the first test. That was the test that they lost when they crumbled and lost all those wickets. I think it was on day three and Australia won that test match easily. And then they bounced back in uh, game uh, two at the MCG and, and, by the end of it, we've found themselves chasing uh, over 300 at the Gabba. And, um, look, they've got so many stories. There's so many stories left, right and centre. So, look, 2-1. Uh, how did you see it all play out? Flanders, it was an amazing uh, Test match series. Incredible series. It's one of the best Test series you'll ever see. And you've got to just love the way that those young Indian players went about it in that last game. Completely undermanned. Missing their best six bowlers, their first pick six bowlers. Missing their captain, Virat Kohli. Uh, they have Rohit Sharma, who comes in um, off quarantine and, and opens the batting. He's not a natural opener. Uh, you've got youngsters like Shubman Gill and Rishabh Pant just taking it to what was the number one bowling attack in the world. You've got Rahani and Pujara standing there like stone walls uh, for the whole series, not allowing Australia to get through them easily. Uh, I, I just thought it was a magnificent performance from them. And you've got to give them full credit. Australia gave it a crack there on the last day. Whether... Um, whether we should have picked a, another bowler. We had four pretty tired bowlers in that in that Gabba test match. Uh, all four bowlers had played all four test matches. Um, whether, whether we should have gone with a Michael Nisa who, who pitches it up on a full length and um, challenges the pads, challenges the bold and LBW, challenges the outside edge off a, off a full driving length. Um, could have been a go. Or a Mitch Swepson who also targets the pads, targets the stumps with his leggies. Both have got very good records at the Gabba, but we went with Stark and Lyon again and they were a little bit tired for uh, for what was a high-intensity game with India really bringing their, their best uh, to, to that final day. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't have enough gas in the tank to take 10 wickets and uh, and win the series at home, which is quite disappointing. You, you, Australia, you expect them to win Test Series at home, uh, particularly if you're playing against a side that's missing seven or eight of its best players. So uh, fairly disappointing result for Australia, but full credit to India for a remarkable performance. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's fair to say those young guns of, of India, you know, they're going to have 10-year careers. And, you know, to only have played one or two tests respectively, some of these young players that have come in, they're going to be around for a long time and they're going to grow massively from that experience. Now, on the Australian side of, of the coin, I guess Australia not picking their best six batsmen. Burns, Harris, Wade, Head, Payne were all struggling. So upcoming for the South African series, which is only around the corner, who can you see that might potentially come in for the Australians and potentially who goes out of that side that did lose the Indians 2-1? Well, I think of the guys who played in in this series, you've got to look at the top order and the failures up there. Uh, injured Warner experiment didn't work. Uh, Marcus Harris came in in the last game and didn't um, really show enough. Uh, I thought Matthew Wade was pretty scratchy all, season, all series, didn't make a 50. Travis Head got dropped halfway through the series, as did Joe Burns. So were those guys the right guys? Uh, to pick at the start. I'm going to say no um, with a guy like Usman Kawaja, who's got 
um, an outstanding international record um, in in one days and in uh, and in Test cricket. I, I think he could have been a person that we had in the middle order, and I think he should definitely go over to South Africa. Other ones that we could have thought about for that um, for that last Test were, were Sean Marsh. I know he's thirty seven years of age, but he's he's just a proven. Um, experienced quality player who can who can handle tough moments at international level so I thought he may have been an option I wouldn't take him to South Africa but I probably would have thought about playing him in the fourth test when, when we need that extra batsman um, and the other one's Glenn Maxwell I mentioned him last time I was on the show he's he's uh, another high quality international batsman who who can make runs against high quality international bowlers regularly and uh, I think if we had maybe a couple of guys like that in the middle order uh, building some partnerships after the, the loss of Smith and Labuschagne's wickets, uh, I think that was where we really struggled. You know, in the middle order, it was only really the young Cam Green who was able to show any consistent resistance there with the bat. I thought Tim Payne really struggled with the bat. And as I mentioned, the, the guys who got dropped and Warner, who was injured throughout the series, and Wade, who's, who's uh, you know, towing a very fine line going into this South Africa series. Um, I, I think there's, there's changes that need to be made there at the top of the order. And as well, I, I thought it was pretty... Um, uh, I, I thought I thought we should have had an out and out quick in reserve uh, for for that series. Whether it was a Jai Richardson, who I know he's coming off a shoulder injury, or a Riley Meredith, who bowls one forties down in Tassie, uh, Daniel Sams, even who's more of a limited overs player, but um, just get those sort of guys around that team environment. Maybe something a little bit different um, than the same same that we've had with the four bowlers. Uh, that we've had for year after year after year. Uh, Lyon got absolutely smashed, uh, barely took a wicket and averaged over 60 for the series. Stark couldn't hit um, couldn't hit that full length. He wasn't confident to bowl the full length because he can't swing the ball without saliva. Um, so mate, if, if he can't feel confident in his full delivery, then he probably shouldn't be playing because we've got Hazelwood and Cummins bowling back of a length. You don't need three bowlers bowling back of a length. Someone needs to hit the stump. So that had to be Stark. Unfortunately, he didn't have confidence himself because he can't swing the ball without saliva. So I reckon we should have picked Nisa for the last test. And I think Jai Richardson, Riley Meredith, Nisa and Swepson should all be reserve bowlers in this South Africa series. Well, well uh, reviewed there, Flanners. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the two sides go on from this point and what selections are made for the South African series. And I suppose for India, congratulations to them. And they move up to number two in the test rankings behind New Zealand. And they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, I suppose as the years go on, it's going to be interesting to see how those young players do perform in the next few years. Now, Flanners, the Big Bash is well and truly underway and we're sort of nearing the, I suppose, we're sort of three quarters of the way through this Big Bash season. So, look, the Sydney Sixers are locked into the finals now and then there's all the other teams, so probably six other teams in contention to make the finals. And it's going to be really, it's going to come down to... um, You know, I suppose that bonus point is going to come into play as well. And also, you know, I suppose just going to be the form of that top order and the bowling tax in that shortened form of T20. So, I mean, how have you seen the big bash and, um, you know, who, 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 what plays are going well and and what teams do you think are going to be really striking towards the latter part of the year? Well, at the moment, the Sydney Sixers are far and away the best side in in the competition at the moment. Josh Phillippe at the top of the order for them just keeps making massive runs. And I reckon he'll feature in the... uh, T20 series over in New Zealand, which is, is going to happen at the same time as the Test series uh, over in South Africa. We've got two Australian teams playing in two separate countries, which is an interesting piece of fixturing there. But uh, I think I think he'll get a run in the in the T20 squad that goes over to New Zealand. And their bowlers, 
Uh, they've got an experienced bowling group. Jackson Bird, Steve O'Keefe, Carlos Brathwaite and Dan Christian are all been there, done that. And uh, I, th- I think they're going to be pretty hard to stop. They were able to knock off the Perth Scorchers, who are potentially their biggest contender. Um, they weren't able to um, put enough runs on the board. Uh, Sydney Sixers chased down the 163 at the Scorchers set and uh, 18.5 overs with seven balls to spare. And that, as I said, was uh, largely due to Josh Phillippe at the top of the order with 84 or 52. And he just continues to, to dominate this big bash. So I think um, in particular, the Sixers are going to be the ones to beat. There's other teams around the mark. The Melbourne Stars shot themselves in the foot last night. They had a great chance to consolidate their spot in the top four and then uh, coughed up the, the last three overs there against the Renegades and Mac Harvey and Bo Webster were able to uh, take Liam Hatch out of town. And, and uh, unfortunately, the Stars weren't able to uh, get the win. That's disappointing for me as a Stars man. Good, good for the uh, Renegades fans here in town, but I don't think we're going to see the two Melbourne teams featuring in the finals. I think it'll be the Sydney Sixers and one of the uh, Scorchers, the Thunder, or maybe even the striker or the Hur- strikers or the Hurricanes could pop up too. Well, it's exciting stuff, and I can't wait to watch it from abroad over here in Sweden. Tommy's going to be, I suppose, epic, and I'll be watching it at all sort of weird times. I'm ten hours behind the the uh, I suppose Australian Eastern Standard Time at the moment, mate. So it's going to be epic, and I'm looking forward to watching it from abroad. As always, Tommy Flanagan with LAS Cricket. Absolute pleasure to have you on, and uh, I suppose uh, keep on keeping on, mate. Uh, Will do, mate. And you too, mate. Keep keep enjoying uh, the life over there in Sweden. Plenty Valley FM.
and enjoy yourself at the Ivanhoe Bowls Club. Bowls is a game for everyone, offering social fun, time with family, competition opportunities and community connection. We offer opportunities for competitive and social bowls during midweek and weekends. The club facilities are also available for private functions and barefoot bowls. We would love you to come along to the Ivanhoe Bowls Club. It's only two minutes walk to the Ivanhoe station and explore all the options. To find out more, contact Ellen on 0425 759 581 or visit ivanhoe.bowls.com.au. To promote your community event, email pvfm at pvfm.org.au. Your local station, 88.6 Plenty Valley FM, supporting our community. I used to manage using the shower over my bath at my place, but it's been hard since my fall. My landlady won't fit a new shower, even though I've got a grant for it and it won't cost her a cent. I'm worried I'll end up in care when I'm still able to do things for myself. Are you over 55? For advice and support with planning for your future housing needs, Call Home at Last on 1300 765 178. Explore your options so you can find a lasting housing solution with Home at Last. 1300 765 178. 88.6 Bloody Valley FM. Thanks, Australia, for doing your bit to help stop the spread of coronavirus, for downloading the COVID Safe app, for keeping your distance and staying at home, for the sacrifices you've made. And for stepping up in these tough times. The changes aren't easy, but they are working. So keep going. And don't forget, if you haven't already, download the COVID Safe app today. Visit australia.gov.au to learn more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. Because you look so fine that I really want to make you mine I say you look so fine that I really want to make you mine Four, five, six, come on and get your kicks Now you don't need the money when you look like that, do you, honey? Big black boots, long brown hair She's so sweet with her
Ladies and gentlemen, special guest today, Talking American Footy with Brent Sternberg. Brent, welcome to Licorice All Sports. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on today. No, thanks, Winner. Good to be on, mate. I've uh, been waiting for the call to come through to get uh, onto your show, and it's taken a little bit longer than I thought it would, but good to be on, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good today, mate, and uh, welcome to the show. Now, it's been a huge few weeks in the NFL, and we're coming down to the business end. We've got the AFC and NFC playoff games, which is the equivalent to the preliminary finals in the AFL, upcoming in the NFL this weekend. But we'll go back a couple of weeks. We had the NFL wildcard round as well, and also the divisional round, which has just been completed on the weekend, mate. So uh, all that and much, much more. Please fire away and tell us what's been happening in the NFL. Yeah, well, first of all, I think um, the NFL deserve a lot of credit for getting this season up uh, and running and for it to actually stay along the timeline that they originally set for. I mean, we all know that uh, we all know that America and, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of sort of, you know, basically everywhere outside of, uh, of Australia has been absolutely torn apart from coronavirus. So the NFL has sort of. Uh, you know, in the, in the hotbed of, um, of COVID sort of fought, fought through all that. And, you know, we've had, we've had some games that were, that were uh, postponed and we've had some teams that, you know, had to play a game without a recognised quarterback and some teams that would have their whole wide receiver group, you know, um, not be able to play. But uh, for the most part, you know, we haven't had any games cancelled. So to be able to actually get to this point on time is, uh, 
is huge. Like you say, the playoffs, uh, they've been underway for a couple of weeks now. We've got um, four teams remaining and they'll they'll go to to battle Monday morning uh, in the uh, championship games. But it was the first, uh, first year that the playoffs expanded uh, for a long, long time. We've had uh, six uh, seeds from from the two conferences make it to 12 in total this year. It moved to seven teams from either conference uh, for the first time. So it started with a wild card weekend uh, a couple of weeks ago where we had just the one team from either conference have the bye. Uh, under, under the old format with six teams, um, you would have uh, numbers, number one seed and number two seed from either conference would have the bye and then you'd have three play six and four play five. So this year it was just the this season, I should say, it was just the number one seed. Uh, have the bye week. So what that meant, obviously, is we had actually six games, three games on the Sunday morning, uh, talking our time, of course, uh, and three games on the Monday morning, which they uh, they called it Super Wildcard Weekend. Of course, everything's super in in their minds, Super Bowl, Super Wildcard Weekend. So uh, it was pretty pretty good, uh, a pretty good first week of the playoffs as well. I thought we had a couple of upsets. Obviously, the highlight probably was Cleveland. Uh, who smashed my Pittsburgh Steelers? Which it's two two weeks ago now. Browns. Yeah, yeah, they that Cleveland beat the uh, beat the Steelers, so um, that was their first playoff game in eighteen years and their first win uh, in twenty twenty six years. So uh, as a Steelers fan, we know a couple of weeks ago, like I said, I've, I've only just got over it. I was a bit sort of stunned for a, a few days there. Um, but <laughs> no, it was an un- unreal performance from. From the Browns, uh, and then yeah, the divisional round last week had, had a couple of uh, really top-notch performances. I think obviously this time of year, in any or this sort of point in any season, is where you start to see the real contenders emerge. So we had Green Bay uh, and Aaron Rodgers, who's likely to win the MVP uh, this season. They had a, a really good win at home over the uh, LA Rams, who had beaten the Seattle Seahawks in the uh, in the wild card round, which was a bit of a a bit of an upset, and then we had Buffalo uh, beat uh, Baltimore in in the game uh, after after that one. That was a pretty low scoring affair. A lot of people thought that might have been fireworks in that one, but uh, it was pretty a pretty ordinary game really. But Buffalo uh, did well enough to win through to their first AFC Championship game uh, in I think twenty twenty five years or or something like that. And then uh, on the Monday morning we had uh, Cleveland again after beating the Steelers. They pushed Kansas City right to the right to the final few minutes in a game where Patrick Mahomes left the game with a concussion. Uh, and at that time, the Browns were only down by uh, 11, 10 or 11 points from memory. Uh, and it looked like the Browns might be able to do it again. And unfortunately, they um, couldn't make the couple of plays they had to on defense. And then Tampa Bay, they knocked off New Orleans in the final game of the, division, the divisional round last week. The, the Bucks and the Saints... Of course, divisional rivals, they'd played twice during the regular season and the Saints had handled them quite comfortably and the Bucks turned the tables in the divisional round uh, in a game that looks likely, all but certain actually, that to be Drew Brees' final final game. So the four teams left standing are Buffalo and Kansas City. They will play in the AFC Championship game Monday morning. That'll be the second game. I think that's set to kick off at 10.30 in the morning our time. Uh, and before that, we'll have the NFC Championship game where Tampa Bay will have to travel out to Lambeau Field, where I think there's actually forecast to be snow at Lambeau Field uh, on uh, on Sunday, where they'll play uh, the, the Green Bay Packers, who probably right now, uh, in my mind, are probably the best team left in it with Aaron Rodgers doing whatever he darn well pleases, really. No one can stop him. So they're the, they're the four teams remaining. Now, yeah, it's interesting you've you said all that, and thanks for the wrap-up last few weeks of the 
the super playoffs and then obviously the divisional games. And, and now we come down to the, the playoff games for the AFC and NFC. Now, I did watch this game last week and I thought the Buffalo Bills were sensational. And obviously they come up against the Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC game. I'm really looking forward to this one. I think the Buffalo Bills defense was extraordinary last week. And question I've got for you, Brent, is can they bring that against Patrick Mahomes and especially being at home in Kansas City, are they good enough to repeat the same effort as last week and, I suppose, bring it right up to the Kansas City Chiefs? Yes, they are. Uh, They are. I mean, if you have a look at how the two teams have played over the last, uh, let's call it six weeks or so, Buffalo have looked much the better team. I mean, they, as opposed to Kansas City, they've been, uh, Buffalo, that is just smashing teams and pounding them. Uh, into the ground, really. They're, the two playoff games, their two playoff wins over Indianapolis and Baltimore the last two weeks, they haven't been that impressive. Indiana, the Indianapolis game was certainly a game that they could have lost. That went right down to the wire. Uh, and then the Ravens, who they beat last week, uh, their defense, you're right, they were terrific uh, in, in shutting down um, Lamar Jackson. The big thing for this game will be whether Patrick Mahomes can play or not. Of course, he's in concussion protocol. He was... Uh, Knocked out in the game last week against Cleveland in a really bizarre incident. It wasn't your sort of uh, your textbook concussion where you have, you know, uh, head contact with another player or you get hit and your head makes contact with the ground. It was a really strange uh, incident where he almost looked like he was sort of in a choker hold or, or you know, maybe even it might have been caused by whiplash even. And uh, But he got up on his feet, Mahomes, and he looked wobbly. And as soon as you saw him, you thought, oh, okay, he's not going to, he's not going to come back on. And he didn't. Um, so, I mean, that, that game is really going to hinge on whether Mahomes um, plays or not. And if, if, if he doesn't play, if Mahomes doesn't play, Buffalo will win. I don't think there's any doubt about that. If, if he does, then, okay, we've got, a, we've got a football game. But the big thing for Buffalo uh, will be not, not necessarily their defence. I think their defence is going to have to try and play as well as they can and maybe come up with a turnover. But if they're going to beat Kansas City, it's going to be because Josh Allen uh, and the Bills' offence comes to play. I mean, they're, they're not going to beat Kansas City 17-3 to like they beat Baltimore 17-3 to last week. They're, they're, they need to be able to move the ball consistently and score con- uh, consistently to beat this Chiefs team. And it's the same for anyone. If you want to beat Kansas City, you need to be able to score points. Uh, this is an explosive offense. You know, they've got Stephon Diggs, who's had a terrific year. Uh, the other wide receiver, Cole Beasley, has been really good as well. Josh Allen has had an MVP caliber season. I'll be interested to see where he finishes in the voting, actually, um, when the MVP results are announced uh, in a couple of weeks. But these two teams played each other earlier in the season, and it was in Buffalo. This time it will be in Kansas City, but they played in week six uh, in Buffalo, and uh, the Chiefs won uh, 26-17. to That was a game in which Josh Allen did not play very well. He threw a couple of interceptions. He only threw for 122 yards. So uh, they're playing much better now, Buffalo, than they were at that point in time. But I think, uh, obviously... It's really hard to make a call on that game, not knowing what's going to happen with Patrick Mahomes. But if he plays, I think Kansas City will win. But this is probably the one game of the two that I think could be high scoring and will be really exciting. So I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll, if, I'll, if you put a gun to my head and say pick a team, I'm picking Kansas City just because I can't pick against them. But Buffalo have looked much the better team um, over the last sort of six to eight weeks. Yeah, you mentioned Josh Allen. He's had 37 touchdowns this year and 10 intercepts in possibly what could be a, you know, um, 
you know, one of the best years uh, from anyone playing that position all year. So you mentioned last time they played, he didn't have the greatest game. So he, he could potentially be the X factor in this game. And as you say, it's going to be really interesting to see if Mahomes does come back from that concussion. But um, look, it's, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm excited for it. And I know you definitely will be, Brent. But um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a flip of the coin game, I reckon. And it just depends on, as you said, so many different factors. And it just, I suppose at the end of the day, we'll just come down to, you know, um, you know, just field positions and whether I think obviously the Mahomes factor is going to be huge. So it's going to be interesting to see. Now, as you said before, you think uh, Green Bay Packers, I suppose, are the best um, credential candidates left out of the four teams. They come up against the Buccaneers. So how do you see that game playing out? And um, obviously that's the NFC uh, playoff game. Yeah, so this is the uh, the the first game, the first uh, of the two on Championship Sunday or Championship Monday, uh, talking Australian Eastern Daylight Time, of course. I I, I watched the Packers do what they did uh, to the LA Rams uh, last week. The LA Rams, who had the best defense in the league, and you wouldn't have known it. Um, you, you actually would have thought, in terms of how the Packers' defense played, you would have thought that their defense was was the best in the league. They they really come to play and they shut down. Uh, albeit an LA Rams offense that has struggled uh, somewhat this season. But all, all, all four teams that are left have question marks. Uh, you know, you can never have a, a perfect team. But the best, the best thing to do in this league is to, be able, is to have your gun players play well and try and hide, hide your weaknesses. And I think, you know, if they have their defense, Green Bay, which has gotten better and better as the season has worn on, and Aaron Rodgers has had... Uh, an unbelievable season. He will win the MVP this year. And that, that, that's why I think that they are the team to beat from here on in. I, I had a look at how they played against the Rams uh, last week, and I thought I cannot see the winner of New Orleans and Tampa Bay beating, beating this team. The big, the big thing for the Bucks for me, I think, will be uh, try getting pressure on, on Aaron Rodgers. Um, their defense won them that game, Tampa Bay, last week against against New Orleans. All three touchdowns that they scored come on short fields that their defense gave them after after takeaways. So it's going to be a lot more difficult to do that, come up with takeaways uh, you know, against an offense led by Aaron Rodgers, who this year has only thrown five interceptions, albeit two of them were against Tampa Bay when the Packers played Tampa Bay earlier this season. So... That was a game in which uh, the Packers jumped. It was in Tampa Bay. The Packers jumped out to a 10-0 lead and the Bucks rattled off 38 unanswered points. Uh, and it was a game that they won 38-10. to 10. And in the end, Aaron Rodgers finished the game on the bench because they, they got him out of harm's way because the Bucks' defense was swarming. So if they can do that again, uh, the Bucks' defense, then they can um, – that, that'll go a long way to them winning this game. But I, I think this is the game that I'm more confident in picking uh, and I'm picking Green Bay because they are they are in just a beautiful spot right now where you know every team who goes into the season with hopes of winning the Super Bowl they want to be in the position that the Packers are in now and that is fit, uh, healthy. They don't really have any players out through injury other than their left tackle David Bakhtiari. But other, aside from that, uh, and he's a very important player by the way. But outside of that, they are fit and healthy and firing on all cylinders and feeling good. Uh, they're at home. It's going to be really cold weather. There'll be a lot of Tampa Bay players uh, that have played, you know, in the nice sunny weather in Florida, you know, for their whole career that have never played in um, in single-digit temperatures like it's going to be. That may help too. So I I, I think this game, um, 
will, if there's going to be one of the two games that is decided by more than one score, and generally you might see a championship game, one close and one not so. I think this might be the game that uh, that might be a comfortable victory. But I don't, I don't want to say the Packers are going to win comfortably because Tom Brady, been here before, done it before, got more playoff wins than anybody else. But uh, the pack, the Packers look like the best team left in it to mine. Uh, interesting you say Tom Brady. It seems that the way the coaching staff are letting him play and go about his game, it, it's sort of like he's dictating terms and playing exactly how he wants to play. And that's probably something towards the end at New England. He he wasn't afforded the ability to do. So am I reading the game correctly? And is that right in saying what I just said there? Is Tom Brady dictating terms in the way that I suppose he wants to play rather than coaching staff want him yeah, to play. Yeah, I think, I think that's a fair call. They had a lot of uh, issues throughout the middle of the season, uh, Tampa Bay. Their, their, uh, their coach, Bruce Arians, is um, well known for having attacking offences that you know take shots down the field regularly. And he's worked with some of the you know, most aggressive quarterbacks to have, to have played the game in, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and uh, a- Andrew Luck as well. Uh, Carson Palmer too, when he was the coach in... Uh, in Arizona, and I think they sort of, uh, around about the middle of the year, Brady and I think Arians come together and sort of thought, okay, well, this this isn't really working, and they sort of changed things up a bit. Uh, and now they are running much more of an offense that Tom Brady likes to pilot, and that is uh, an offense that builds off the run game first, uh, and it's, it's like a death by a thousand lashes offense. They're not the sort of offense like a Buffalo or a, or a Kansas City that uh, takes <laughs> shots down the field. They... Um, you know, they like to just, uh, they don't mind having eight, nine, ten play drives, uh, you know, and if it if it ends in a quarterback sneak from the one-yard line, like one of the drives ended up against uh, New Orleans last weekend, then so be it. So, uh, but, but I, I am a little bit worried with the Bucks' offense. Then, like I said last week, um, you could take away the touchdowns that they scored off the short fields that their defense gave them. They only scored nine points. Um, but then, you know, you go back and look at that Packers game where they put up 38 points. They're a little bit of an erratic offense, and they're going to have to have their best day, I think, to be able to to be able to beat the Packers. But like I say, it's Tom Brady, and uh, of course, if Tampa Bay can win, they'll be the first team to ever play uh, in a home Super Bowl with the Super Bowl uh, scheduled to be in Tampa Bay in, in in a couple of weeks. So, if there was ever going to be the first team and the first quarterback to orchestrate uh, something like that, it would be the great Tom Brady, wouldn't it? Yes, most definitely. Now, you've analysed both AFC and NFC playoff games beautifully, Brent. So, in three words, who will be playing in the Super Bowl? X, V, Y. Uh, Tampa Bay. Oh, no, that's already two words. Um, the Bucks V... No, not the Bucks. What am I saying? The Packers. I'm, I'm, getting, my, I'm getting my bays mixed up. Tampa <laughs> yeah. Bay, Green Bay. Green Bay. And I really, really, really want to pick Buffalo, but... I'm going to pick Kansas City because I think Mahomes will play and that's uh, it'll be good for the game. I think it's going to be an exciting game, that one. That'll be the uh, the one to watch if you're only going to watch one of the two. But so I think it'll be Green Bay, not Tampa Bay, Green Bay and Kansas City in a rematch, of course, of Super Bowl One way back in 1967, Rob, where uh, Green Bay absolutely pulled the Chiefs' pants down. So there we have it. So the Packers v. the Chiefs from Brent Sternberg, who runs his own 
podcast called Talking American Footy. You can find that on all the socials, YouTube and the like. Uh, Brent, it's been an absolute pleasure to have a chat to you today. And thank you so much for joining me on Licorice All Sports. And we're definitely going to get you on in the next couple of weeks as the conclusion of the 2021 NFL season comes to Hello, it's an end. Forward to that, mate. Cheers. Kevin Hines Grow delivers gardening and nature-based programs to people of all ages and abilities. We are currently offering occupational therapy, counselling and social gardening sessions online. We also have a fantastic selection of plants, tomato seedlings and summer veggies available. Telephone 9848 3695 or visit us online at kevinhinesgrow.org.au. The only community transmission that is acceptable is listening to your local community radio station, 88.6 Plenty Valley FM. We're staying on air to keep the community informed and safe with the latest advice and restrictions on COVID-19. And don't forget the great music to keep you company.
Your local station. Welcome to LIS Beer of the Week. Here I am with Mariano. Welcome to Licorice All Sports. How are you going today, mate? Uh, we're at uh, Mando Steakhouse and Bar here in the central old town of Malmo. Now, uh, tell me, Mariano, this is a Eriksberg, it's a Swedish beer. Tell us a little bit more about it uh, and I guess. What's special about this beer and what kind of food does it go with? Okay, it's very kind of beer. It's, it's a, like you say, a Swedish beer. Uh, it's a alcoholic range of 5.4. It has a large malt body with bitterness, a caramel, and uh, also black malt. Uh, it's a herbolous and at the same time has a floral like, taste and smell. Okay. And Mariana, what kind of food would this particular expert beer go well with? It's, uh, it goes really good with, uh, with fish, uh, with some Scandinavian fish, also with steaks. Uh, at the same time, it's also with, uh, with chicken. Well, I'm going to have a quick taste of this. Ooh, Unbelievable, great drop, and I did just have it with a steak, and I'll tell you what, it was fantastic. Mariano, from Argentina, currently working here in Malmo, Sweden. I appreciate you joining Liquor Sports Beer of the Week, and it's fantastic to have you on the show this week. Oh, thank you, thank you very much for coming, and I hope you enjoy the time in London. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Go on, go on, leave me breathless. 